Hello, and welcome to another podcast conversation in our series with the Resilience Centre talking about suicide. This time, how to relate to someone who's lost a loved one or friend through suicide. Where do you start? What can you say? What shouldn't you say? What can you do? To shepherd us through this really tricky minefield, two people with a wealth of experience and wisdom dealing with exactly these sort of questions. Lynn Worsley, founder and director of the Resilience Centre, and the wonderful Joe Alberts, a clinical psychologist with the centre. Lynn and Joe, a very warm welcome. Thanks for having us again, Lee. Great to see you both. Lynn, at the core of this whole discussion is a question that includes and expands way beyond someone's suicide. And it's a question that can have so many answers, how to be with someone in the midst of grief. So where do we start? Oh, my goodness, it's a hard place to start. It's always hard to know how to be with someone who is grieving because you yourself also go through a process of grief. So to step forward and lean into somebody who is grieving the loss of someone through suicide is to actually put on your compassion hat but not so tightly that you yourself are affected. The important thing here is to be with somebody without any questions, without any need to have an answer for anything, without any need to try and explain, just to be, just to be beside somebody and to love them. We'll get to this later but it's more than words, and it's probably more listening than speaking. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. It's much more listening than speaking and sometimes sharing tears. Yes. Questions help? Only if you haven't got an agenda. Which you shouldn't have, really. No, yeah. no. However, it is really important just to keep focusing on the hope in the now because sometimes just being with somebody is about acknowledging that it took a lot of courage to get out of bed that morning yeah. or it took a lot of courage just to get to the bathroom and back. Explain that phrase to me, hope in the now. A bit more. When someone has lost someone, to offer them hope for the future is actually looking at the future without that person and that doesn't feel good. No. And hope for the past is it's gone. They couldn't do anything about what's happened and it happened. But when they're in the situation just coping with the loss and coming to terms with that loss, that's the here and now. And the hope for that is that what do I do in my present moment that keeps me functioning? Joe, how would you suggest we come to terms with our own sense of disbelief and grief in the case of someone who dies through suicide? I think the first thing that comes to mind is that and and, and this is important to me to say that anything and everything is possible when it comes to my emotional reaction to such a horrible event in a person's life I, I think there are some misconceptions that you have to cry or you have to be in a certain way or you you know things have to be said and really people are so unique and so individual that when they face something of this nature that we should just let them be and you think we're all up for that letting them be no i don't think so 
we sometimes reach out and want to help with some preconceived ideas about how we should be. And I love what Lynn said. I think just being there with that person with no preconceived ideas, no questions, no sense of I'm going to guide you and to say that I want to be here beside you and if you will allow me to walk this journey with you, that would be awesome. And I would like to be for you who you would want me to be. It'll take time. There'll be certainly no quick fix with this. No. Cute, easy answer. No. There's no quick fix. We would certainly see that people respond differently to this kind of a challenge. And for some people, it's a really, really long journey, and for others, maybe not so long, depending on, on the circumstance. If I reach out to someone, I think we would say, I want to be in this for the long haul. I'm going to be that stability for you that you might need at this stage. What a great gift. Yeah. Lynn, when it comes to suicide, there may also be shame and then blame that's in the mix. Not that that's fair. No. But that's probably a reality. Yeah, it is a reality. And I think in our society, we tend to have a lot of shame around someone taking their life by suicide. Mm. One of the things that's really difficult is that, you know, in our ways of trying to prevent someone from taking their life, we try and talk about what we could do to change the circumstance, what we could do to to stop them from feeling so bad, what we could do to to bypass that idea that they might have had. So that while we're sort of struggling to keep people alive and wanting to live, if they've taken their life, we then go, oh, no, we've failed. We've failed, yeah. And so what we need to be aware of is that this is a choice. This is a choice that someone has exercised, whether it's an accidental choice or a mind snap or what, it is still a choice. And so when it comes to dealing with somebody who's experiencing loss of a very close person by suicide, it's really helpful to move away from the shame. Yes, it's really helpful for us to even acknowledge that that that's in everyone's head that there's there's a shame and because that person's feeling that sense of shame they hide because they feel that there is a blame and that's a self-blame and it may also be coming from others and it may be just something that's subtle so I think for us for people who are watching on we have to challenge ourselves to get rid of that thought. And it's got quite a history. I remember growing up thinking and hearing that, and religiously, if a person dies through suicide, they don't go to heaven. Yeah. Good grief. Yes. It's, it's, a, it's a misnomer. It's a myth. It's something that we've put on in our society for a long, long time. We need to step away from that. And it, we ourselves, as a society, need to sit with, this is a reality. People do have the choice. All of us have this choice. But when we're dealing with somebody who is experiencing this loss, it's so important that if we've taken it out of our own psyche, that we can lean forward and go, it's not your fault. No, no. It's not your fault. And let's just grieve the loss of this loved one. But let's not have to deal with any shame because there's no blame. Totally. I want to ask you both the same question. Overall, our response probably needs to be much bigger and broader than what we say. 
But Joe, what can we say? I like stories. Can I tell you a story? I'd love you to tell me a story. I got this, I can't remember where I got this story from. It's not my own story. Okay. So I want to acknowledge the author somewhere out there. I don't whoever know who it was, whoever that may be. <laughs> but tell the wonderful story of a yacht. Like if you have a yacht and you are in a fierce storm and the yacht capsizes, fortunately there would be a life raft. And if you are lucky enough that you would actually make it to the life raft, this is an enclosure about two meters across, completely enclosed. And apparently what would happen is that a huge wave will come along and will tumble this life raft head over end for about 200 meters in a fierce storm. And it will come to a rest and then right itself and for 20 to 40 seconds there'll be respite. And then the next wave will hit. Now maybe two, three, four hours later, the 200 meters become 180. And the 40 seconds respite may become 60 seconds. And so on. So that may be the next day, the raft might be tumbled for 50 meters and the respite becomes two minutes. And then wonderfully, four or five days later, a person would wake up and would be calm and they would open the covers and the sea would be wonderfully calm, no more waves. And this is how it goes with a great loss, like losing a loved one to suicide. It's like being tumbled in a raft. And you know, it's like, I come up for air and I wonder, um, am I gonna survive this only to be tumbled again emotionally? But wonderfully, over time, we get less emotionally impacted. So that we could say that, as for a lot of other crises in a human being's life, time is a healer of these kind of wounds. And then the clincher to the story was wonderful because the person who told the story lost a loved one. Wow. And they said, the more you loved, the fiercer the storm. Oh, that's so lovely. So, yes. I can say to the person who lost a loved one, those overwhelming feelings of sadness, the hopelessness of a life without my loved one, is an indication of how much you loved. And in that sense, it's a validation of your capability as a person who can love and who did love. And there's no denying in that what that person is feeling. No. And there's no trying to accelerate the process, like, you know, get over it. No. No, there's just the, the wonderful knowledge that what I'm feeling now is okay, whatever that may be. Yeah. But that somewhere down the line, I can also look forward to waking up one morning to a more peaceful and restful ocean. I love the picture of the covers of the life raft opening to a new day, yeah. a calmer day. I think I'd be feeling pretty sick. <laughs> Me too. Me too. What would you say, Lynn, about what we can say? Again, acknowledging it's much more than what we can say. It's really important to just be able to be in the moment and to say about things in the moment. Not change the subject, No. but it might also be helpful to do some things which are light and not so heavy. Yeah. 
it might be might be nice to to go for walks and try and do things that are a little bit distracting and it might be that that person just doesn't want to go for a walk today and that's okay so you stay with them one of the really lovely things to do is to is again to be with them and I know for a beautiful friend of mine one of the things that was really helpful was to pull in mattresses and stay with her while she grieved until she was ready to sleep on her own and those things are just like privileged moments but as to what to say I don't know if there is any one thing that you can say I think everybody has a different response and everybody has a different set of needs. It's important to let them know that one day they will feel a little bit calmer, but they won't get over it. No. Joe, what else helps beyond what we can say? I would say just being there. There's a sense of we are all busy and we have our things that we yes. do, you know. There's a sense that we are all really busy and, and people appreciate that and they understand that. So that if I take out a part of my day and I spend it with someone else with no expectation as to what is actually going to happen other than I am sharing this space with you. Because there's so much pressure on us to achieve. Yeah. And you might not be achieving much as much as we can see. Yes. You know, um, Lee Carl Rogers, arguably one of the greatest psychologists that ever lived, had a therapy that was basically based on focusing on the other person and empathically being there with them. And in a great video vignette, he was doing therapy with a client and there was a 17-minute silence. Oh, wow. (laughs) And she then said of all of the therapy that I've ever received in my life, that 17 minutes was the most precious. My goodness. Wow. What does that mean? It means that if I'm with you and I don't necessarily expect of you to do something and I don't feel pressure to do something, but I can just be with you in this space, I'm actually setting out a very congruent and warm, unconditional acceptance of who you are and where you are now. That's the way to do it. Can I just mention here too that the process of being with somebody enables our own process. So while you're wanting to help that person who's in grief, one way you can do that is to actually respond to that by going, oh my goodness, I can't feel this pain. It feels awful. So I pull away and don't want to see them because it's, I just don't know how to deal with it. I get that. And that just slows down your own process of dealing with the grief yourself. Interesting. So by being with that person, you also go through that process of grief. You become familiarised with that grief process. It's a privilege to enter into that journey with them. But it also then highlights your process of coming to terms with the loss of that person. Mm. And that helps the other person as well because it means they've got someone else to walk on that journey with. Mm. All too often you hear stories of people going to the shopping centre and other people hiding away from them because they don't know what to say. It's not because they're nasty. 
It's because they just don't know what to say. And if you're one of those people who just pull back because, oh, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to say, stop it. Yes. Come back. Walk in. Say, I don't know what to say. It's what a lot of this conversation has been about. Yeah. I just don't know what to say, but I'm with you and I love you. It's a privilege, Joe, as Lynn says, but also demands patience. Yes. Maybe a lot of patience. Yeah. To say, let me and my preconceptions, sometimes misconceptions, let that take a step back. Let me just be. Let me be purposefully without words because that might be the best in the situation. We've covered what helps, what doesn't help. And I want to ask, why don't these things help? Okay, what doesn't doesn't help is coming in with answers and feeling like you have to answer their questions. When they go, why did this happen? Oh, this is what I've thought. You know, no, don't answer the question. Don't have to fix it. You don't have to answer why. Coming in with books to read (laughs) or Bible verses or things that are comforting to you but may not be comforting to them. It's really important to ask and just remember that the person who's going through the grief hasn't been through this before either. So you're sort of bumbling through together and they're bumbling through and they won't know exactly what they need or they won't know anything about what to do. So essentially it's important that you just let yourself be able to be there and bumble with them. Joe, what else doesn't help? Well, this goes without saying, I think. But to say, I understand how you feel. Mm. Yes. Even if you've lost a loved one to suicide, you actually do not know how the other person feels. And it's almost always met with, how can you possibly know how I feel? So let's not use those words. And then be very careful with what you promise. Because we can be taken up in the moment of wanting to care and really maybe going out and really committing ourselves to much more time than we can afford. And much better not to make those promises. Just be there for that person for that hour if that is what you have to give. Be careful what you promise. So you come to the conclusion, and I love this phrase, one size fits one. I've never heard that before. Yes, I did steal this from a friend. (laughs) And it's a beautiful comment. so true. One size fits one. So what's okay for you is okay for you. And if you're going to step alongside someone, then you're not going to have an experience that's transferable. You're going to have an experience for that person. What wisdom. I was really looking forward to this conversation with the both of you. And there's a lot to think about and learn. So... Joe and Lynn, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Lee. Thank you for the opportunity. Always good. Wonderful. You've been listening to another Talking About Suicide podcast from the Resilience Centre. I'm Lee Hatcher. We really want to spread the word on this series, so please share on your socials and you can head to the website for more podcasts and so many other great resources. www.theresiliencecentre.com.au